are few things that unsettle us as much as financial struggles. Our joy and peace are so strongly linked to our financial security. That's why God gave us over 800 passages on money in the Bible. This is Treasure, a four-part series on how to get the financial life God intends for you. Hey, it is a new year. It also is a beginning of a new series. And uh, matter of fact, what we're really doing today is we're beginning a series of series. And the reason for that uh, is you just saw Ryan announce in a week from now, we're going to be doing our week of prayer and fasting. And we do this two times a year. We do it in January so that we can come together and, and get our spiritual mind focused on God for the year and, and call out to him for what he wants to do. We do it at the end of the summer because the summer is exhausting and, and a lot of travel and so forth. And so we come back and we do it again in August. Well, last August, one of the things that we also do when we do our week of prayer and fasting is we give out little prayer cards and we say, write down how we can pray for you this week. And so we got hundreds of prayer cards last August and hands down, almost all of them, everyone needed prayer for only two things, two issues that come up over and over and over. And so we're going to start off the year by addressing these two greatest needs that keep hitting us. And they're always there. And the reason that we want to address these is because these two things are fixable. What I mean by that is it's not a perfect world, right? There are times where you can't do anything about your given circumstances. You may go to the doctor and he may give you a bad prognosis and say, we have no cure for that. And you can't do anything. You are simply at the hands of God has this for me or God has that for me. I have no control over that. And, and so there are times where you'll, you'll hear me tell you how this is not a perfect world. We can't control everything. But there are some things that we do have control over. And the reason they are going the way they are going is because we're not doing them the way God would want them done. It's plain and simple. We're, we're not going according to the way that he wrote the book. And so there are two fixable issues that we're going to start the year off with. Two things that you guys ask for prayer for more than anything else. Anybody want to guess what they are? M&M. Money and marriage. Exactly right. So you guys even know. And, and the point is, I can't promise you a perfect marriage, nor can I promise you you'll win the lottery. And, and I don't believe that everybody in here is supposed to have a Mercedes and a big house just because they're a Christian. There are people who preach that. I don't know about that. But I do believe that everybody in here shouldn't be broke, living under a bridge, hoping for their next meal, and, and have Visa calling them seven times a day to get the bill paid. That, that's not, no matter how much you are going to make, and I'll go ahead and tell you this up front. What God has for one person, one person in here might, they're going to make a million dollars over the next three years. Somebody else is going to make 150000 over the next three years. It's not about saying, I'm going to do a series that teaches you how to be prosperous and wealthy. I'm just saying, I want to do a series on how we can have the financial life God intends for us. Which, whether, whether it, is, it is incredibly rich or just well taken care of every day. I do believe God intends for us not to be broke and poor and not knowing how to pay our bills. And so um, this is a reprise of a series I've done in the past. I'll just go ahead and tell you that up front. If you go and look online right now, there is another series from several years ago called Treasure. And we're going to do it again. Here's the reason we're going to do it again. Number one is uh, our technology has changed. 
We like for our series online to be resources that people can go back and say, hey, I need help with this. You preached on this six months ago. And, and so they can go back and look at that. But the technology that we had then doesn't have video, doesn't have any of the cool stuff we're doing now. And so all you can do is kind of sit there and listen like it was from the 1950s or something. And it's, uh, we just want to get with the technology. Uh, secondly, it simply is going to be better. Uh, I was uh, uh, new then, and, and I've learned a lot with talking with people and working with them. I've been a pastor for several years longer, and so I think the content that I'll, I'll deliver this time will be a good bit better. Um, the third one is that the church has grown, and almost everybody that's a part of the church now has never heard that message series anyway. And then last is obvious. We need it. It was one of our biggest prayer concerns, so we need to hear this. So here we go. Uh, we're going to do a four-part series right now. We're going to come and follow that up with a three-part series on uh, marriage in February. But right now, four-part series on treasure. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. If you miss one of the four, then you're going to be missing out on what I think are one of the four biblical principles of how our finances should operate. And you're not going to have a perfect life if you say, well, I want to skip two of the weeks in January. Then you're going to miss out on two elements of how God tells us to operate our finances. There are four parts for a reason. So if you do go on vacation or something, I'd encourage you to catch one of them online. Uh, I was making this example last week. If you hear half of a series then you're only going to have half of the recipe. And, you know, the last time you tried to make chocolate chip cookies with only half the ingredients, it comes out pretty bad. Chocolate chip cookies, and if you only use baking powder, salt, and flour, not going to be very good, right? So there you go. All right, so today we're going to start off the series. The first principle that we have when we talk about our treasure is the idea of devotion. Devotion. Here's what I believe. Money is the greatest competitor for our devotion to God. You agree? Disagree? Not many voices either way. A lot of people holding out the verdict. Well, if I agree with them, I might be in trouble. If I don't agree with them, I'll be calling the pastor a liar. What do I say? Well, I don't know. Why don't you just hold on? Here's the thing. Let me tell you why. I think there's a progression. There are people who have no devotion to God and will still come and worship. We have people every week who come and say, you know, I'm not really sure what I think about God. All of us were there at some point, right? Some of us were there as teenagers and kids. We had no devotion. We just had parents who drug us to church. You're coming with me, you know? And, and so we end up in church saying, uh, let me check out this God. And so we will begin to worship before we even have devotion. And then we may get to a point where we have some devotion like, oh, well, the guy when he was speaking over communion told us what Jesus did for us. Okay, okay. I, I want to engage with that. I want to know who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And then we may get to a point after we begin to follow Jesus, we may, we may even begin to, to serve him or to get into a small group or to hang around with his people or to volunteer and so forth. And so our devotion begins to grow a little bit more. Do you know what is last on that list of devotion is when we begin to give financially, which is why I think that giving our money is the greatest competitor for our devotion. Turns out that I'm not the only one that thinks that. The Bible thinks that as well. I want to show you that. We're going to look at just two passages today. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can go with me. If not, it's going to be on the screen. The first one I'm going to look at is out of Matthew 6. And here's what I love about Matthew 6. If you don't know, this is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the greatest teaching Jesus ever did. And what he was teaching at this point was he was telling his disciples, hey, if you're going to follow me, this is how you're going to live. And then so in verse 21, here's what he says to them. For where your treasure is... There your heart will be also. You've probably heard that before. 
Probably not a new thought. Matter of fact, as soon as you saw the series was on treasure, you probably could have guessed this verse was going to come in. Here's the point. It does not say where your treasure is, there some of your heart will be. It doesn't say where your treasure is, there's a high probability you might be overly invested with your heart, you might get caught up, watch out. It doesn't say any of those. It makes a declarative statement. Wherever your treasure is, your heart is there. Simple biblical truth. Where you put your money is where your heart already is. Did you catch the order of that? Because that's what the Bible says. Where you put your money is where your heart already is. We have to address the heart issue. So as we look at this today, I want us to think of this in, 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 in a perspective, kind of a progression. I don't know what's with my words today. They're not coming out of my brain. I guess the second service will get it right. Uh, you know, sorry guys. Anyway, here's the progression. The first thing the Bible gives us is a truth. Then the Bible gives us a warning. And then the Bible gives us a promise. In terms of devotion, there's a truth and a warning and then a promise. This is the truth. That wherever your treasure is, there your heart already is. Now, some of us would like to argue about that. Some of us would like to say, wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm just do doing this and I'm just doing that. And, and I'm just, you know, up to these different things. But my heart is still with God. Or, well, my heart is with this, but my, you know, we would like to try to argue the statement. Unfortunately, God wrote the statement. So hopefully we're not going to argue with that too much. So we're going to go on to the second point, which is the warning. And we're going to come back to Matthew 6. So if you'll hold your finger there, for those of you flipping along, I'd like to look at Luke 12. And this is where our main portion of the scripture is going to be today. In Luke 12, we're going to start in verse 15. And this is where some people had come arguing about stuff. They were arguing about their stuff. Two brothers were having a fight. And, and I know what this is like because I've got kids. I've got small kids. And all day long, oh my gosh. Like the good news is take a couple of days off. It's wonderful. You get to spend it with your family. What that means is that for like 16 hours, all you hear is, Daddy, tell him to give me this. Daddy, tell him to give me that. Daddy, he won't play with me. He took this and they won't play with that. And give me the Wii remote and all this kind of stuff. And, and so I know exactly what Jesus felt like when these two brothers came to him saying, Look, he took my stuff and he won't give me my stuff. Jesus, tell him to give me half of my stuff. Literally, that's in the Bible. I promise it's there. And this is Jesus' response to them. He said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. These two guys are kind of upset at this point. You have to understand they wanted some stuff. And instead of him saying, okay, 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 let's stop the fighting. This half is yours and this half is yours. What he actually does is turn to him and say, all right, both of you need to listen. Neither of you should care about the stuff. You shouldn't have this issue of coveting. You want something that you don't have. Here's what I need us to understand this morning. Coveting is devotion to yourself. It's devotion to yourself. If you look it up, the word covet actually means that you yearn to possess, that you crave, that your heart is already set on this thing. And so, yeah, it's about devotion. That's the whole point. It's about devotion to yourself. Because coveting is a competition for your devotion. Are you going to win it or are you going to lose it? So he goes on to tell them a story. He liked to tell parables. He said, let me tell you this parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. They probably should have stopped at that point and asked the question, why? Sorry to pause in the middle of the, the little verse there, but I don't know about you. If my finances keep going up and up and up and up, 
the first thing that you should do is say, why? God, what are you doing? And this guy didn't understand, though God was doing something. So here he is, his land produced plentifully. And so he thought to himself, what should I do? For I've got nowhere to store my crops. What should I do? I have so much stuff. Oh, let me see. Um, hmm. I could give some of it. I mean, hey, I've got all this stuff. I don't need all this stuff. Look at all my workers. I could give them raises. After all, I'm doing well. Hey, how about my neighbors? I heard they might lose their farm. Um, let me go pay a couple of their debts for them. Uh, what should I do was his question. Let's look at his answer. So he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Oh, yeah, I don't want to give it away. Matter of fact, I want to keep it. I want to keep so much that I've got to get a bigger house that's got a bigger garage to put more of my stuff in. Look, I don't know I'm not stepping on any toes here, but if you don't park in your garage because you have so much stuff, your cars don't fit in there, and y'all already know, you know. You don't know what's in that garage. That's what you know. And you don't know where stuff is that you put in the garage five years ago, which means you're not touching it, which means you don't really need it. But hey, we're Americans, right? We're Americans. And we've got these big garages full of stuff. Our cars can't even fit inside of them. And when that gets too much, we could, we could clean up. We could declutter. We could give away. But what do we do? You know, honey, the house is getting a little tight. Have you noticed that? We need to get a little bit bigger house. Because we've got to have a little bit more stuff, space for this. That's all right. You don't have to. I will tear down my barns. I will build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. So I will be devoted to myself. Not anyone else. My devotion is going to be to myself above all. What I will do actually is I'm going to build. And I'm going to increase my kingdom. That everybody who comes by, they see this is the largest house on the block. And they see the barns as they walk over the fields. They go, oh man, there's the rich guy in our kingdom. I was invited to a party one time in a, a neighborhood. This was long, long ago. It was in North Carolina. So don't anybody think around the room like it was that guy. Wasn't He's not even here. And uh, I was invited to this party and he was giving me directions to his house. Now, here's the thing. As he was telling me, well, you take this right, you take this left, you take this right, you take this left. You won't miss it. It's the biggest house in the neighborhood. True story. That was the exact quote of what he said to me. And at that moment, I thought, you're in the back of the neighborhood. If you were the front house, if there were three houses and you said there's only three houses, it's the biggest one. I could understand that's a generous marker to help me know. I'm not going to see your house until I get to it. So telling me it's the biggest one in the neighborhood had nothing to do with directions. What did it have to do with? His kingdom. He wanted me to know that he had the biggest house. And so he says in verse 19, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. So relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Here's what he says. I have found my security in my abundance. And everybody who was here last week, light bulbs just went off, right? If you weren't here, again, you got to go back and catch that one. And here's what God says in response to him. 
Fool! I love it. We think we're actually in charge of this. I'll die when I'm 95. I'll retire when I'm 65. I'll live in the Caribbean. I'll do this. I'll do that. God's answer was, fool! I, just, I don't know. I was like saying that. How often do I get to stand up here on the stage and say that? This night, your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? Who did you do all of this for? And so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So what is the warning? The warning is that the one whose devotion is greater toward himself than to God is a fool. You don't control. You have nothing that's in your hands. It's in God's. So we have the truth. Wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure is because your heart is already there first. Then we have the warning about laying up treasure for ourselves, being devoted to ourselves, wanting our own thing. The good news is we're going to end with a promise. I think it's better to end on a high note. So let's go back to where we were in Matthew 6 for those of you who kept your fingers there. And here's the way it started. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Again, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The promise is this. You can lay up treasure in heaven. You can. There is a future that you have control over. Look, we're control freaks. We've already talked about this as Americans, right? We're control freaks. We want everything. We want it to be in our, our hands. We want to say what happens with it and where it goes. We actually have control over part of our eternal future. God says that's in you. That's, that's, it's in your hands right now. And not only that, you have control over what it's going to be like right now here on earth. What will you do? It's what he asked. What shall I do with all that I have? And he was devoted to himself. I want to show you, if I can, in a practical way, how this works. If I could get my trusty youth person, Ben, here. Ben's one of our student directors here. Hi. Go to that side of the table, man. I'll go to the side of the table. There you go. All right, we're going to show you how this works. We've got uh, our treasure on earth right here. Plastic goblets, that's good. Yeah. And we've got our treasure in heaven. And, and here's our uh, God giving us our pay kind of thing. Because see, here's the thing. We all get money. By the way, I've counted these. If they're not all here at the end of the service, we'll know which one of you came up for prayer. <laughs> kind of doing that sort of thing here. So look, here's how this works. There are two ways of living. I'm going to demonstrate the good one because I chose to. And he's going to demonstrate the fool if that's okay. Cause... He's, he's the holy one. He's a little more holier. So there you, you! go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'm done. No, that's good. I'm done. Got it out of there. Uh, we, we knew when we asked him to do this. So, all right, look, this is pretty simple. Ben, I don't know about you, but see, I've learned along the way that if you obey God's word and you live according to God's ways, this is good. So when we get paid, the first thing we do, we tithe, always given to God. And then we've actually got some people that we love and support. We've got people who are all around the world who are serving God and his gospel. And so every single month they get something. It's just the way it goes. We want to give to God. We want to give to them. Then we've got, uh, I got kids, man. So, you know, you got to pay for their food. And that food 
You got four kids. <laughs> the food just keeps going away no matter what, you know? And then you got to pay for the house, the food that the kids are in, and then you got to heat that house. And so I get it. Got bills. That's right, well, what I do with my paycheck. Well, I got paid too, and it feels good. It feels nice. I love it. This is in my hand. It's, it's my Brussels. That's the Lord of the Ring reference. If you haven't seen that, I'll pray for you. All right. Um, so I do not have kids, but I have a cat. Excuse me. My wife has a cat. And while we're on that subject, I have a wife. Who's <laughs> not in the service right now. <laughs> well, may not have a wife after the second service. <laughs> may want to may adjust that illustration. But uh, paid again, God again, got some missions friends again. Got to fix the car, got to pay for the house, got to do the food, and somebody's got to wear clothes because, you know, we can't have nudists in the pastor's house, so. That would be weird. All right, well, that's, I mean, I would love, I would love to be able to do that, um, to be able to, to give to other people, and, um, but apparently, you know, I went to ministry school, and apparently when I took out a loan, that was not a love offering, so. <laughs> yeah. I owe a little bit to that, and I, I have an apartment, so I owe some bills. And some, some car stuff, got to get gas, got to get clothes and stuff like that. So, sorry, church, maybe next time. I got bills too, man. Well, here's, see, here's the thing. When you understand the way God works, see what God says, when you, when you pour out upon him, he actually pours out upon you. So this is what we were getting paid. And I get a raise, buddy. Not you, just so you know. And so, you know, when God gives more, what do you do? You... You understand the way this works is that God always gets the first. And then again, we've got people we give to every month that we love. And then we've got to pay the bills. I mean, hey, there's nothing wrong with the fact that God gave you life on earth. And you've got to live the life that God gave you on earth. Especially when you've got four kids. Look at that. I mean, it never keeps. And then someone comes along and you see this family that doesn't have dinner for Thanksgiving. And so you don't need to make a big organization. You don't have to call the church. You just say, I can help them. And so you go and you help them pay a few more bills. Man, well, you understand that a little bit better than I do because you're a pastor and you're smart. And all I know is that my Ravens, they beat the Steelers last night. And so I've got I've to throw a party for my friends who are going to come over for that because, um, you know, I've got to keep up with the neighbors. Um, and then I got some unexpected hospital bills. So I, I, I had good intentions. They were there. But, you know, that's life. Same salary. Somehow there's just increase again. And then the water pipe burst. And money just seems to be going everywhere. Just seems to be going everywhere. You know how that works. Yeah, that was a water pipe right there just running off. You know, those unexpected things. And, uh, you know, the Panthers won last night too. So I've got another playoff game. I'm throwing a party, but God still comes first, buddy. You got to figure this thing out. And my friends in Pakistan, just because the Panthers won, they still got to eat too. And then my kids still got to eat. And then we need some furniture and we need a car. And But the youth are going on a missions trip. And I think that that's really important. I used to be a youth pastor. And then I'm friends with one of the youth and they wrote me a letter. You know how that goes. And then still got to pay some bills. Well, yeah, I, you know how I am. I love the youth. Um, really believe in what they're doing. And uh, I love missions. So I, I'm going to... I'm going to let go of this. 
and I am going to put it towards that because I, I, I do believe in that. Um, but unfortunately, a uh, visa bill came up. It was a big visa bill. Not much to show for your life there, you know? No. Well, we're going to put some in savings because God's blessing us and we just keep getting more and more. We want to make sure our kids have college and our grandkids are taken care of and still giving to God, still giving to missionaries, and, and that's how that works. And still paying the bills and life's good, man. So this is your treasure in heaven, and this will be my treasure in heaven, and my grandkids might actually have something to show for life. Thank you, sir. Now, that might be a little funny, it might even be a little silly, but uh, hopefully you'll remember the whole point here, is that what we do on earth actually accumulates, or doesn't, and the choice is ours. There actually is treasure in heaven. And so here is the whole point here. Since money is a spiritual issue, are you with me on that one? Do you agree with that one? Yes. Let's do it this way. If the greatest competitor for our devotion to God is money, then that would make money a spiritual issue, wouldn't it? So here's the only response that I want from us today as we begin this series is I want us to actually call it what it is. What you do with your finances is not a natural thing. It's not an earthly thing. It's not a private thing. It's a spiritual thing. And we've made it something else. Here in the South, it is rude. Actually, I think it's rude everywhere. It's rude to look at somebody and say, what'd you pay for that house? We would never dare to say, how much money do you make? Because money is a private issue. It's an earthly issue. It's a natural issue. It has nothing to do with your devotion to God, but I think that that's completely wrong. And if I were to ask you about your life with God, your spiritual life, if we were having lunch, and I do this all the time, I'm sitting down, I'm talking to somebody, hey man, tell me what's going on in your life. What is God saying? What is, what is God doing? Tell me about what God is speaking to you and what's going on in your soul. You might say things to me like, How's your Bible reading going? You'd be like, well, you know, we just started reading this thing. Had a few people tell me that this morning already. Hey, we've been doing Psalm 27, and it's great, and people are telling me about what they're reading in the Bible. And so, oh, that's great. Tell me more about what God's doing in your life. You might tell me how your prayer time's going. Well, you know, my wife and I, we started getting up early, and we prayed together. And, and you might even tell me how you're serving. You volunteer on this team at the church, and it's just really opened your eyes, and you're all excited for what you see happening among the youth and whatever. Never. In all my years of doing this, when I've said, what is going on in your spiritual life? Has anyone said, well, I've increased my giving. God's been talking to me about how much I give. Well, I'm struggling with my giving. It's just never been a part of the conversation. We've got two different things. Most of us don't give simply because we have a spiritual life and then we have a natural life. And it goes like this. The spiritual life goes to church reads the Bible, and prays. Those are spiritual things, aren't they? But the natural life goes to work, spends the money, and plays. They're two separate things. We've removed our finances from our spiritual lives. But if money is a spiritual issue, then it's an issue of devotion, 
And we must stop separating it from our devotion to God. And so because it's a spiritual issue, I think this is what has to change. What you and I think about our money can no longer rule, but what God says about our money must rule. Here's our closing question for today. How would someone else see your devotion to God? If all they had were your finance records and they never met you, you aren't smiling at me. It hurts to hear that question, doesn't it? I use a software to do my taxes every year, one of those like tax cut programs you can buy at Target. Some of you know this, praise God, some of you know what I'm about to say. If you actually are devoted to God with your finances, the program will flag it as an error check. It will say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You've given too much. You need to go back and correct that number. You've got too many zeros. Our country thinks that if you actually give 10%, software is written to say if you actually give 10% to God, you have made an error. Imagine this. Imagine you've got an Aunt Sally that lives in Kansas. Sorry, I don't know if you do or not, he's from there. And she calls and tells you, I have met the greatest CPA you could ever imagine. He has found more deductions. He has totally changed the way I do my taxes. I'm telling you, you need to use this CPA. Well, that's great, Aunt Sally. I don't live in Kansas. It doesn't matter. He can do it online. You just send him your W-2. Send him your checkbook statements. Give him access to your finance records. He will do all of your taxes for you. Here's the question. Would Aunt Sally's CPA in Kansas, who never shook your hand, would he know you were devoted to God when he looks at your finances? Money is our greatest competitor for our devotion. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For some of us, money is not the thing we're holding back. For some of us, we're holding back our very heart. We've gone to church a few times. We've visited. We've checked it out. Some of us, we've gone to church many, many, many times. But God is like that. We keep Him at a distance. We talk about Him. On bad days, we even talk to Him. But we don't have a real relationship with Him. But Ryan explained it earlier when he was talking about communion, that Jesus came and Jesus died a death on the cross that we deserve, that we will never have to die. But we have to exchange and accept the life, not the death. He took the death and he offers us a life. And we have to take that life and live it. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that here this morning. It's very simple. We're just going to say a prayer to begin that journey for you. You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to stand up or do anything weird. Would you all just pray with me right where you're seated? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love, for your mercy, and for your forgiveness. I thank you for taking a death I deserve and giving me a life that I don't deserve. And my simple prayer 
in this place today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.